Welcome back to Season 2 of Retromancer, a monthly podcast of two friends exploring their favorite game, Netrunner. Wow, Nate, there's been a ton of news that's dropped since the beginning of the year. It's only been like 23 days. It's been a jam-packed 23 days, Nathan. So we so 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 Nisei has dropped like five articles on us, Big right? Spell, yeah. Some interesting stuff, some sad news, some good news, a little bit in between. Do you want what do you want first? The good news? The good, the bad, or the ugly? Uh I think we should just go through it chronologically. Okay. If right. we can, I guess. There's, I mean, you know, and I guess the idea is, is there's a lot of information here, so we'll just try to kind of give the high level on it. And, uh, you know, if you want to read, you want to read the super deep deets, you can go check out the articles. Yeah, yeah. And I'll make sure to include all the links in the show notes that we mentioned here. Uh, so I, I think the first, uh, the exciting news was the, the tease about Midnight Sun, which is now the official name of the new bet coming out later this year so there's a booster is the booster the same name as the set midnight sun i thought the booster was just i thought midnight sun was just the booster no no i think the the instead of the borealis cycle having borealis then parhelion as the second half they're calling the first half of borealis now midnight sun they changed the name of the first half yes okay just like in the ashes cycle, there's uprising and downfall, and not ashes is like a half of it. They they decide to make it a little less confusing. Borealis cycle, and then midnight sun and parhelion. Perfect. Okay, I think I if you're right, that sounds that sounds reasonable. And the the booster pack is just going to have seven cards, one of each faction, and they did tease one of the shaper cards that's going to be the booster pack. So just looking it up here, it's called Deep Dive, the two-cost, four-influence event. And basically, you make a run on each of the central servers, and then the corpse sets aside, you play this event, the corpse sets aside eight of the cards on R&D face-up, you access one of those cards. They reveal them? Yep, they reveal them. Okay, so it's like, uh, 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 what's that event? Hushuk, right? Yeah, so it's like exactly. notoriety mixed with Hushuk. Yes, yeah. Okay. But it's got a little bit of a kicker at the end, and it looks like you could spend an additional click to access one other card. So sure. you have to somehow have a way to get five clicks so if the, you want to use that second ability. So we're going back to the like the uh, the old shaper cards that give you one extra click, right? What was that? Like uh, Chala or something like that? It was like some kind of weird resource that was like gain two clicks but it, it was like four to install or something yeah the, and then there was the program what was it uh hyperdriver oh right where i mean that was definitely a, a different a different version of the same sort of thing yeah 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 that was that was a fun time wasn't it yeah so <laughs> definitely I, I i feel like this is less like i just uh i finally have the combo assembled i win now but let's just sit here for 10 minutes it's this this seems more like hey this is a cool trick i've got like i think in the card pool right now uh 
there's that one criminal console uh swift so like if you play a run of it as the first run of it you play you get a click so that's a way that a shaper or a criminal could use this card or an anarch you know if they want to import both of these cards in there to get a fifth click and, and kind of maximize this this uh thing sure but uh yeah it should be exciting each each uh faction the four runners sorry the three runners of the four corps will uh get one of the cards that they'll tease out so that'll be fun and sweet uh, so we got like a mini booster coming along that's awesome yeah and then narco mushroom posted a uh kind of a production update so unfortunately it seems like borealis has been delayed just just because of the universe right now there's a lot of stuff going on they're also recruiting a lot of people too to help get increased production uh capacity but it's the actual block of cards are going to be coming out hopefully this summer 2022 in q2 or q3 but I'm I'm just more excited that they're going to be more open about everything. I don't mind if things take it a while. They're a fan fan collective, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, as long as we're getting updates, you know, I'm I'm totally on board. What do you think? I mean, it's you know when you're really excited about something, you know, you want it you want it to come out now, and then you get you know an announcement. It's going to come out this time, and you go, okay, I can wait until then. But then you know, it's always really hard to have something delayed. But um, things take as long as they take, you know, yeah. like as somebody who, who tries to make a lot of work, I know that sometimes, you know, it's, it's really hard to predict how long something is going to take to make. And especially if you want to make something really good. Uh, and it seems like from the article that Nisei is, I mean, they're like, okay, at this point, we've basically got a lot of, we got a lot of new people. We're getting them mostly squared away and geared up for production. Uh, yeah. So that, that's really exciting news. That's really that's really positive news. Uh, and it seems like, you know, it's kind of taken them a while to get to that point. And I think, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to imagine, you know, like how many people they have just like working on this. But <laughs> I mean, yeah. Netrunner was like, it's it's crazy, right? Like, like um, Netrunner was originally made by one guy. Then it was made by two guys. Yeah. And and like now we have like teams of people working on it. <laughs> like I mean, yeah. it, it definitely shows, right? Like the 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 quality that Nisei is putting out is like incredible. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely because they have so many people working on it really hard. Uh and that's awesome to see, right? You know, I mean, maybe we were a little bit I guess I you know, it's it's hard to look back at the days of Netrunner and you're like these cards are so well produced and you just imagine that there's, there's no like balance team it's just a guy you know Lucas is just making stuff that he feels is going to work <laughs> but people uh, were playtesting it though it wasn't I mean, like true. he they was had, just like throwing things at a dartboard right he was th- there was some feedback but I, mean, I, I hear what you're saying like I mean I know I know when he got Damon to work with him like that was something he had been requesting for a while and they're like all right we got enough funds to get a second guy working on this i mean uh it's expensive to make stuff uh so i am so they're aiming for q2 and q3 uh that's exciting and basically they're trying to give us as much information as they can in the meantime uh and i appreciate that that's fantastic yeah it'll be good and uh 
I guess the next news that they uh, posted was about organized play. So that's sort of, you know, the lifeblood of any game like this. Uh, there is some stuff mentioned about COVID and just sort of the complexities of the, the situation. Uh, it looks like they, uh, just to keep in mind, they're thinking most events will still be online for 2022, but they would hope and love like things like the next upcoming Worlds would be in person and mm -hmm. they still want to try to have it in Toronto if they can. Sure. Uh, I think the big news that's relevant for us, I certainly will be watching Worlds when it gets announced later this year and it, it happens, but the new store championship and regional season, they're getting merged together and they're calling them Circuit Breakers. Okay. That's that's a uh, fun name. Yeah. <laughs> uh and the big thing is it's going to be startup or standard for these OP kits that people can run. So that'll be a fun way to maybe expand some competitive play. So a person basically buys the, 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 the store champ quote kit and then, uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, and then, and then they decide like, like, Hey, run a tournament of your choosing, right? If you want to run standard format, you're allowed. If you want to run startup format, you're allowed, you know, your community do what works for them. Exactly. And and they do mention, hey, we're going to be gearing like what's in the kits more toward, towards standard, but I would hope that some of like the alternate arts or things like that will be of cards of both formats. But oh, we'll man. see. I mean, that's, that's definitely not something I would have thought about when I was designing yeah. the kits, right? I'm going to design the kits and then people are going to be like, you know, it'd be really cool is if, uh, you know, people could use these for standard tournaments. And you're like, that's a great idea. I don't think I designed any of this stuff for that specifically, but that's a great thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, either I mean, either way, you know, it's it's totally fine if they're giving cards that are. Well, it is kind of weird if your promo isn't legal <laughs> in the format. You're yeah, playing. in the format, right? Yeah, but <laughs> wow, I'm gonna I, use this I, shiny yeah. Gagarin I got. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what they they tease. It, you know, and even if it's just like. Hey, maybe you give out a standard card and someone's like, I can't play this in startup. And you're like, yeah, but here's this other format. Maybe it's another way, just another nudge for someone else to try some a wider <laughs> card pool. Sure, that's fair. So that's exciting. So can just like, but since these aren't store related, right? So just, just like anybody decide they just like want to run a tournament anytime and then buy a kit and mail the prizes out after running it on Genteki or something? I feel like that's where this is going, right? Like, and plus because it's already decentralized, right? Like, I don't see why it has to be tied to stores, right? Oh, you no, can have an online foster an online community, and then things will go yeah. back to normal, and then you'll never be able to play again. It'll be terrible. I'm some. Oh no. Oh, I don't think so. I, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm excited that, uh, and it looks like they're going to announce Worlds 2022 at least the dates in February, and then later this summer they'll make the call whether it's going to be in person or online only i see so are these circuit breakers like kind of like uh date gated at all is there like a time period you're supposed to be like assembling these tournaments no no they i think that was the big thing they mentioned in the article is that they are these circuit breakers can happen anytime during the year they're not like it's it's feels like less of like a season of buildup that these are more just to reward people getting together and playing the game together okay sure it's pretty crazy when you look back and think about how much content they made 
when when it was just Fantasy Flight doing this, and they were putting out four kits a year uh, to store championships, and those included mats, boxes, promo cards. Uh, that was a lot of stuff. Jeez, I mean, I remember yeah. participating in like basically every single one, and and I, and there was always something really exciting right around the corner. And like looking yeah. back on, I'm like, that was a lot of content. Jeez, good for them. And and it definitely feel like uh, I've seen some of the kits that Dice's had the alternate art stuff that you could uh, get on drive through cards and things like that. Uh, and there are, there are cool cards and cool art on there. So that's I think it, it'll be interesting to. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what Circuit Breaker kits are when they finally give us some more teasers of it. They're gonna make uh, they're gonna license like uh, backgrounds for Jinteki.net. That's gonna be instead of playmats, you know, and then it'll be like it'll be like licensed imagery. So you're like, congratulations, you win the right to have this background in Jinteki.net, but no one else. <laughs> I mean, actually, I I do think, uh, uh, and I'm not being compensated for this in any way. I think if you become a patron of Nisei themselves, they do have like backgrounds for computers oh, yeah the exclusive arts that you could get so that's awesome i mean i there are i mean they're doing a really good job uh, yeah well rather uh, the artists are doing a great job and nisei is doing a really good job working with them uh yes. it's, it's been really it's been probably one of the most satisfying things for me to see yeah. um that that's like the thing that does it you know when when you when you you like it's it's all a pipe dream until you have art and you're like, oh man, we've got the wheels on the ground. We're a real thing now. Yeah, that that was, I think, the big thing that attracted us to System Gateway back when we started last year uh, down this road was, wow, the art in System Gateway is just as good as the, like, or better in some cases than FFG. Sometimes, sometimes better, sometimes worse. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it was like, there was That's a quality there. That's my opinion, there. Yeah. I don't mean to. Yeah. I yeah. don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. It's all good. I mean, but there definitely was a huge improvement. Like when we went back and bought the Ashes cycle, it's like, oh, like there definitely was a step up in the art. That's nothing against the people that did the art for Ashes, but just sure. kind of the quality certainly was slightly. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step back a little bit too, and I'm gonna say, like, actually, it feels. Uh, it feels very netrunner to have, like some of these art styles that seem like kind of mm -hmm. not the, the 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 really cutesy cartoony stuff that we're really used to. Uh, the original netrunner art was very jarring. Uh, yes, like was, all of the wow. all of the cyber cards looked really nineteen nineties CGI, and it's. And it's a little weird, and like I kind of like it actually. And I'm really, I'm, I'm into us. Um, I'm thinking of that art. Where, uh, I think it's Retrieval Run, where the raccoon is pulling out of the of the dumpster, but it looks like very 1990s CGI. And like on the one hand, um, well, I I think that's cool. I think that's I think it fits very well specifically in Netrunner, and I kind of hmm. I kind of like love it a little bit as well. So Netrunner's kind of kind of able to get away with that a little bit i think yeah and i and actually i think that's a system update card so that was like one that they reprinted specifically to bring back so uh I don't even, it wasn't in the ashes one anyway i don't even remember the art in original retrieval run now it's oh wasn't it like lost the time 
No, I, I vaguely remember it. It, it. it was like kind of like a... All right, I'll, I'll find this later. We'll sidebar this because I'm going to go a deep dive into old art. The one that uh, gets me is Scrubber, though. Like, I loved the old Scrubber art and, like, the new Scrubber art is fine. But, like, that guy's face, like, I, I played that card so much and I just loved his face. He just looked like a crazy dude. Yes. And, uh, and it was awesome. But I was just, I would play the OG art on that card forever. It's just so yeah. good. Well, uh... <laughs> I right. think I, I have a little bit of trauma from your uh, trashing all my cards with it, too. Oh, no. Never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> Look, don't hate me. Hate Wizard. Yeah, hate Wizard. Don't hate, oh, the, no. don't hate the game. Hate the player. The master yeah. player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so Nate, uh, kind of get back to what we were talking about, I think, in episode three last year. What kind of decks have you been playing lately? What What's a fun uh, deck you've been exploring? Yeah, let's talk about decks. All right, so I've been brewing a little bit. Um, I was looking for something interesting, and uh, I kind of noticed this synergy for, for a really bad card, Transport Monopoly. Okay. Which is a Wayland 2-4 agenda, which gets two counters when you score it, and it says you can spend this counter as a paid ability. Um, this run is not considered successful. And I'm like, what is this? This is a, t why would, I mean, I know in standard, like it's cool. It counters like account siphon and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But like in startup, like, what are you going to do with this card? Like it counters Hushuk, Dirty Laundry, I guess. I'm like, Retrieval Run. I don't know. There's just so many events that are, um, they're not like when this run is successful, do A, B, and C. I was just saying, it's the big one, Bravado. Is it the one that you're thinking of? It doesn't counter Bravado. Uh, Bravado yeah. still gets the money. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Bravado still gets the cash. That's a, You see a lot of that in Startup. Yeah. Because uh, it's a great card. Um, so it doesn't counter Bravado. Um, it doesn't... And it doesn't counter uh, Doc Lands Pass. Oh, yeah. Is, that is another really one. Uh, it, it counters Jailbreak, but it's like... Part of the reason is is like a lot of them like the same thing with dirty laundry it's like a, it's a low value event so it's like not mm -hmm. really worth spending the counter on i mean maybe it is i don't really know so uh but you know four twos are kind of the lifeblood of netrunner that's where all the cool effects live so i'm like mm -hmm. how do we make this work and then i realized it basically is supposed to go with earth station because earth mm. station's id um flips if the runner runs HQ successfully and then you lose your remote protection, okay. um, but you can spend your transport monopoly counter to prevent it from flipping. It's basically Creasium, right? So when okay, they made yep. Earth Station, Earth Station obviously combos with Creasium. Creasium's disgustingly good already, and then it's really good in Earth Station. Um, so when you add in that extra layer of now you have to run and trash my Creasium. Now you have to run a, and you run again to try to flip my ID and I'm going to spend a transport monopoly token to cancel it. Um, and then that'll be really good. So that was kind of, that was kind of where I started on the journey of, I was like, this is, this is, <laughs> if this card's going to work anywhere, it's going to work here. So let's give it a shot. So, uh, I guess one thing real quick, um, Transport Monopoly, though, 
does it do any other weird stuff? I, I thought there was another card it really hates on. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, well. Transport Monopoly technically does. Um, it counters Boomerang. Oh, yes. Boomerang. <laughs> yes. That was the one you remember you telling me about. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, oh, man. I didn't actually realize that until I started playing this deck. And then, uh, it, because, you know, not because I had Transport Monopolies all the time, because I never do, but mm -hmm. Crecium. You realize you turn off people's boomerangs if you res a Crecium, and it feels super dirty. <laughs> oh, that's awesome because they didn't make a successful run, so they so just like, go to the garbage. They, like, run, and they're like, I'm going to run your HQ. I mean, and especially if you're playing boomerangs, which you are because boomerang is a great card in yep. startup. So you're like, okay, Earth Station, I'm going to install boomerang. I'm going to run HQ, and then I'm going to use the boomerang to get past the ice and i'll get my boomerang back and you're like actually i'm going to resicrecium and your boomerang is just going to stay in the garbage and, oh that's brutal and it's like i was already doing something really good and i also just happened to stumble upon something that like crushes your deck a little bit wow that's mean <laughs> it's really dirty oh no yeah we were playing with some of our friends and they had no idea and it was like oh yeah by the way your boomerang doesn't come back and they're like what and i'm like ah uh, yeah and they're like i just spent like nine credits to not flip your id because i had to trash this crecium and now i have to run again so now it's like 15 credits just to get into your remote and i lose my boomerang and you're like yeah sorry at that point they should have just read their boat paid the paid the gold price right paid the six credits i mean that's definitely it's been a really weird balancing act playing the id because that is definitely what some people do and it can work out if you don't stack your cards right as the corp which is really interesting so you kind of have to build a taxing remote and a, either a taxing hq or annoying enough hq that they might they might be willing to run it twice to to turn off your id the weird thing was is that you actually need to like perfectly right size HQ, R&D, and your remote because I played a lot of games where I like bunkered up my HQ and my and my remote and then the runner just like ran R&D with Rehushoops and I lost the game. So it's like looking at like how much can they, you know, afford to get into R&D, how, how much should I protect HQ? The one thing I discounted the most early on in the design of the deck was how powerful the the standard face of the card is. Because it has an ability that says, as an additional cost to run HQ, uh, I'll, I'll just describe Earth Station because I haven't technically done it yet. So Earth Go Station it, is, is two-sided flippable ID. And the front says, um, as an additional cost to run HQ, the runner must pay a credit. Um, which is actually really good. Um, and then you can click flip this ID, and then the ID on the flip side says, as an additional cost to run your um, remote server, I forgot to mention, you are limited to one remote server. That's kind of yeah, important. That's big, yeah. On both sides of the ID, it says that. Um, and, then, and then it says, as an additional cost to run the remote server, the runner must pay six credits. And this ID flips back to its pr uh, prime side, if the runner makes a successful run on HQ. So when you add the remote tax, you no longer have an HQ tax, but the HQ tax is that they have to run your HQ in order to get the remote. So it's yeah. kind of cool. It's kind of like this glaciery sort of ID, mm. and it's not very good. 
until you have Crecium. And then it's disgusting. Like the amount, like, like, so let's say you install like an Afshar over HQ, uh, which is a, a three, one, three cost, one strength code gate. That's two subs and the run. And then uh, the runner loses two credits. And then if it's installed over HQ, the runner can only break one of the subroutines. So now they're running, they break the end of the run. They still are forced to lose two uh, generally. And uh, even if they use a boomerang, which is really cool. Uh, so awesome. you add this really taxing HQ ability. So you install that over HQ and then you flip your IB and then you try to jam an agenda, right? And then the runner installs a boomerang, they pay two, they run your HQ, they pay three. It flips the ID and then they inside job your remote. And so they paid what, like seven credits. Uh, it's not really that big of a deal. But now you install a Crecium over your HQ, uh, which says runs on this server are not considered successful for the purpose of card abilities. Okay. So it's three to res, five to trash, which is insane. And so now they install their boomerang, they run HQ, they run through your Afshar, they've paid five credits. You pay three, res Crisium. Now their run is not successful and they have to pay five and they have Brutal. to run again in order to get through your remote. So they pay five for the Crisium, they paid five to get in with the boomerang, let's say, or maybe they install a code gate breaker, in which case they're paying three plus the code gate mm -hmm. breaker cost. So they pay three credits to run plus five to trash plus three more credits. Uh, now you're looking at like 12 or 13 credits to get into the remote because they have to run HQ twice. Um, it's really good. Uh, and so like that's like basically you can't play the ID without Chrisium grid in my opinion. Like it's, it's absolutely necessary. You put your Chrisium on HQ. Now your HQ run costs, you know, three or four times the amount in order to get your remote to flip. Um, and then you can start jamming high value cards in there, like agendas, um, or assets if, or I'm like, uh, I guess I couldn't really figure out exactly the, the pace I wanted to do. I was doing, um, regolith mining license. Uh, and then okay. you just click that for, you know, 15 or whatever. Uh, and it's just really expensive for the runner to run. So that's a decent source of income, but it fills up your one remote, which is pretty tough. So the, the weakness of the idea is you're only allowed to have one remote server, which makes a lot of cards significantly worse than they would normally be. For example, Spin Doctors uh, okay. is like an objectively good card. Like you have to run it. You need some recursion, right? Recurring your Crisiums is worth it. To yeah, that it, makes sense. You got to have it, right? But um, like finding time to get it in the remote server is really challenging. Uh, and so that weakness is definitely really important. And uh, I guess another thing I remember just playing it, the the big asset that kind of I think was designed at the same time, it's is it, it's wall-to-wall, -wall, right? That's right. That's right. So wall-to-wall -wall is kind of the other... It, it was designed for Earth Station, I think. Um, basically... Uh, gosh, what does it even... I don't even remember. What, is it, what does it even do? It's got like four different abilities, right? It's it's actually really complicated. <laughs> okay. A lot of text. So it's a, it's a one to res, three to trash um, asset. And it says, when your turn begins, if you have any other resed assets, resolve one of the following abilities. Otherwise, resolve three. So if it's your only resed asset, you get three, three things instead of one. 
So that works really well with Earth Station because you only have one server. And then the three things are gain a credit, draw a card, place an advancement token, or add this asset to HQ. So the idea is, is that it works really well with Earth Station because you can pull it back into your HQ, jam your agendas, install it later, keep doing whatever it is that you were doing. Kind of keep this juggle, if you can, going with, with like wall-to-wall. -wall. Yeah. Or bluff, right? You could pull wall-to-wall -wall back to your hand, put it back in, and then they're like, crap, is that the agenda? Yeah, absolutely. And then I run. Okay. Yeah. So you could kind of bluff with it too. Yeah. And so my original idea with the deck was that um, I was like, okay, so you've got this whole like bluffing install into the remote thing, and you've got people who basically have to run your hand. And anytime something says the the runner has to run your hand, I'm like, snare. Snare, man. Mm. Snare is the best. I love snare. I love holding it in my hand, and I'm like, you gotta come in my hand, and there might be a trap there for you. And it's like the because the quality of accesses in in, in in HQ is it's like when they hit the snare in RMD, then it then it's gone. I mean, I guess that's true of HQ too. It's just like yeah. it's it's like it, it, it uh it just keeps on giving, you know, if they run your HQ and they don't hit a snare, it's like, well, you still got a snare. You're not, yep. it's just, you can keep playing the game. It's great. So, so I had snares in there and then that combos really well with this whole wall to wall bluff thing. You're like, oh, don't I install a snare? I don't know. Mm, okay. um, so I, I really liked snare in the ID uh, and I thought it was really cool. And it's also, it adds a little bit of, um, a little bit of protection on your R&D as well, because one thing about the idea is it um it really does like i don't really know what pacing is ideal for the deck um i've discovered if you if before you get your crecium like it is not you don't have a lot of power like you can spend two ice on your remote two ice on your hq you flip your ID and they can flip it very easily and then they run your remote. You spent all this money on your ice and then it's hard to recover from. Um, but once you get your Crucium, like your power level like doubles and you can, you can just throw the runner around. Like you're like, oh, you have to run this remote. And it's like, oh, now it's six credits to run the remote directly or it's like 13 credits to run HQ first. And, uh, and so that's kind of when you jam. And then I guess ideally you just want to try to win as fast as you can. Well, it's like a combo deck basically is, is how it feels. And so it's not, oh, combo. <laughs> it's not, it's not like, a. and this is good, by the way, I, I like, um, control decks or basically decks where they're like, I'm building towards this inevitable late game win condition. That's unstoppable, right? That was a mm -hmm. big part of Netrunner for a long time, right? Is you've got your, you've got your Caprice, you've got your Ash, you throw them in a remote, your remote is unassailable. And, and as far as like card games are concerned and Netrunner being a card game, I think Netrunner handled that really well because it fundamentally the runner has other outs besides just like you could make an unassailable server in netrunner and that would be actually probably fine the runner still has plenty of other ways to win the game like they could still run on hq they could still win on rnd you know they could play apocalypse they could play notoriety there's 
a lot of stuff that they can do. And, tricks. And okay. so it's uh, so it was okay, but Nisei is moving away from those types of decks that are like inevitably good. And I actually really like that because hmm. I think people just don't like them in general, honestly. Like, I mean, oh, that's not true. People do like them. There are people who like them. Um, but it's just like it's a lot more exciting to kind of have like the here's my window i've got to take it and i know that's a lot harder for a court to do that i mean honestly it might not be really possible for a court to do to be completely honest i mean there's a reason that like in general runners have a slightly higher win rate than corpse and it's because i do feel like the game is fundamentally slightly in the runner's favor the court has to plug every hole you know to win the game, right? And if they don't plug... I mean, how many games have you lost where you had two unassailable servers and then they get that one access on R&D and they win the game? And you're like, no! Yes. No! You know, or they like run R&D and you're like, it's a one in four. And those are great odds for me as the corp. I know there's one agenda left in R&D and there's four cards. But for all of those games that you play, one quarter of them, you're going to lose on R&D and it because uh, of the RNG and it feels bad and that's uh you know that's card games but anyways so i think it's uh i like that they're moving away from these like impenetrable server decks i like taxing servers i think that's cool but yeah. most importantly it's about when it's taxing and then giving the corpse the tools to say i've bought myself uh, a moment of unassailability how am i going to exercise it uh, most effectively uh, and that's the design they're going towards i feel and i i really like that that's great do you uh the one thing i i thought i remember when you first showed this to me was uh you have a lot of you have six regent cards right you've got kayambe and Crecium. oh yeah so but it felt really mean because you'd be like cool i finally got into hq i trashed this region you'd be like cool uh, yeah, you also saw a card in my hand and it was another Crecium or a, uh, <laughs> oh, a Kayabe. I'm going to install this next turn and flip again. Good luck. Oh, You're like, wow. No. It <laughs> is. It's it's very taxing. So yeah, I put Kayabe and Crecium in the deck and I'm really not exactly sure how committed I should be. There's the, Obviously, there's the problem of you can't install two regions in the same server, right? Um but on the other hand, when they do trash your Crecium, you can throw your Kayambe down, and uh, now you've got another defense. And the reason it's there is because um, you do need more defensive tools. Uh, part of the, the way that the deck works is this, this, this synergy between ice and asset slash upgrades, right? And that's um, kind of always sort of been the linchpin of uh, taxing, you know, Glacier decks, is, yeah. is that, you know, my upgrade multiplies the effect of my ice. Uh, and that's and that's cool. It's like this, uh, it's like a combo, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you can't install two regions in the same server. That's annoying. Um, on the other hand, though, if they trash one, you can just install another one. You have plenty more queued up. I have kind of landed on the position that I do think both are necessary. Uh, Kiyambe is necessary to protect your remote. Uh, okay. Because sometimes, like, it, the way that the ice is set up right now, especially on ice protecting the remote servers, like, I don't really have a lot of good 
ice to protect my remote server. I've got um, Afshars to protect HQ. Uh, and then Aket, which is a really good ice, but it has to be advanced, which works well with wall-to-wall. And it also works well with Kiyambe. So, like, that's fine. That's a great reason to include Kiyambe. Um, and I've got Colossus, but it's a very... Uh, divisive ice because mm. Colossus is like the only ice that gets infinitely strong and it has two subroutines and it turns out that there's two major cards in the game that can beat cards with infinite strength ice uh, yeah. with two subroutines <laughs> very easily yeah. both Botulus and Boomerang destroy Colossus so yeah. you can't have too many of those you know, it's it's definitely more about number of ice versus strength of ice. But then Colossus is obviously still a really cool ice. And having some sentries in there is really good. You want to kind of spread it out on your ice types. So I've got Colossuses in there. And then I've got Pharos, which I don't love. I actually do not like Pharos. That's, mm. But that's how limited the card pool is, is. It's like I have to run it because it's one of the few ice that can protect my remote. Um and kind of make it taxing. And kind of make it taxing, yeah. Because, uh, and I honestly don't know if it really has a place in the deck. Because, like I said, if we're playing a combo deck and we get our Crucium and then we try to jam out quickly, then, like, Pharos is way too much money. Hmm. Uh, but, like, in those, like, games that are going long, I mean, getting a 10-strength barrier with three subroutines, I mean, kind of two, really. I mean, they can just take a tag and clear it. It's not a big deal. Especially in this type of deck. Because uh, it's so slow. The, it's it's like it's not super amazing but i just don't really know what else to do so you gotta well, have the kiyambe <laughs> gotta have the kiyambe and then it looks like did you uh routed out the original deck list with i see white pa white spaced winchester yeah um and winchester's actually super good over hq but yeah. you kind of end up in this situation where you have like a taxing hq but it doesn't really end the run at all and that's kind of weird. Um, so you got your you got your Afshars, which are taxing the runner three generally, and you got your Winchesters, which actually, all right, you were, I think you were the one who told me to put Winchester in, and like I didn't realize how good Winchester is in the startup meta. Like, if it's over HQ, it has three subroutines, so like Boomerang doesn't get around it nicely. Botulus also doesn't get around it nicely. It's four strength, and that's just super hard for so many icebreakers to deal with like if it was three it would be pretty easy it would be reasonable but because it's four it's just like oh that's kind yeah. of painful uh and i love that but it also kind of doesn't do a lot if they don't have hardware it doesn't do anything that's true i mean that sub doesn't do anything but uh, you know on the other hand the meta is pretty balanced so it's not super good early but uh eventually everybody's going to kind of get their console out and that's pretty decent or they're going to have their uh things but i'll tell you this i noticed that anarchs were really good against the id uh because they have botulus which crushes lots of ice especially if you're building taxing servers but you're playing really slowly uh and, i mean honestly like being able to get through an ice every other turn i mean that's a great deal that's uh true. so you two sub ice with a botulus on it you're getting in every two turns for free very very good um so botulus was really good and imp was really good because imp is super good against Crecium. 
So Anarchs were pretty challenging for the deck to deal with, especially if they were running Boomerangs. So I changed up my loadout a little bit to deal with this, and it started performing so much better um, in that matchup and also kind of just in general. Uh, okay. So I swapped out. <laughs> I took the transport monopoly out. Oh, no. <laughs> no. You were the one who told me to do it. You were like, maybe you should just swap your transport monopoly for Cyberdex. And I was like, Steve, this is, this is the transport monopoly deck. This is the dream. You're going to kill the dream if you take the key out. And you were like, you should just try it. Out. And then I put Cyberdex Sandbox in and it was like disgusting. It was yeah. so good. Like, like being able to reset all your botulists. I mean, like, because a lot of runners would just sit there and they'd just be like, I'm not going to run. And they would just let their botulist counters get up to like nine, ten counters. And I'm like, my, my ice is useless. Like, my cards are useless. I am not a taxing deck. I am a failure of a glacier deck. <laughs> And uh, and putting that threat of purging with scoring an agenda was meaningful. And in addition to that, it's a tempo agenda. It gives you credits for purging, which is like insane. Like, oh, that's yeah, so that's good. True. Now, whenever I decide to purge, like, I'm like, oh, cool. Now you've got botulas up there and I'm actually rewarded for purging the purging all your stuff. Like, this is sick. And then in addition to that, when I score subsequent Cybershox sandboxes, I'm oh, getting eight credits. Like, oh my gosh. Oh no. Like it was like Transport Monopoly is crying in the corner. And he's like, I'm just a worse Nisei Mark II. I am objectively bad. I felt really bad to see, you know, see the dream die so hard. But like Cyberdex helped so much. It was insane. Um, and then I put in Magnets, which were also okay. so good. Um, hate, yeah, or botulus hate. I mean, if they get a botulus on your on your pharaohs, like it's really bad. But if they run and they expect to be able to break it with the botulus, and then you res a magnet and suck their botulus off, and now they can't get in, like that's that's I'll say it's run ending. Uh, that's yes, a run that's ending true. play right there, and that's what you yeah. want, right? <laughs> when you're trying to score agendas. Yeah. Um. So it, it's weird. Yeah. I have five antivirus cards, but like. It's enough, that's for sure. Interesting. And then I think another thing we didn't mention was you have Drafter in the list. Yeah, so, and most of that was, and it's really weird because it was, I put it in at a time when I needed more centuries because I hadn't discovered Winchester yet. Mm -hmm. But um, Drafter does so much. Like, it is such an insane card. It, I mean, it says, hey, you need to have a century breaker. Uh, that's great. It punishes a lot of early game plays. Like they trash your spin doctors off R and D, you get it back. That's great. And since the effects sure. of Drafter are basically like you can add a card from Archives to HQ, and it can be any card. So it can be a hedge fund, it can be a Crecium grid, uh, and then that's you can crazy. install a card separately. You can install the card you drew, right? So like they run HQ. This is what you do. It's so dirty. You, you have one ice protecting HQ, it's a drafter, your ID is flipped and you have one upgrade. They decide to run your server and, uh, and you don't even res the ice, you just res your Crecium. And then uh, that costs you three. And then their run is not successful, they get an access, they have to pay five, they run again. Actually, I guess more ideally there'd be an Afshar in front of it, but yeah. you leave the drafter unres. Then they go through a second time, they pay through the Afshar a second time, 
then you res a drafter, and then you just reinstall the Crecium and then re-res it. And they still... Oh, that's disgusting. They didn't even get the to flip the remote, and now they spent, like, you know, who even knows how much money? It's, it's ridiculous. That's insane. So drafter was a, a really good include, kind of filling a need of what the spin doctors were doing, of offering some recursion. And originally it was in there to get your snares back into your hand. I was like, ooh, gonna get a snare back. Yeah. But, uh... It, it's also, it's pretty valuable for bringing Creciums and Kiambes back, or even wall-to-wall. Like, I mean, there's a lot of really good targets, and the the cool thing about the design is you could pull back an operation and then install an ice, you know, if you don't yeah. have any of your combo pieces online. So, um, I was really, really happy with that uh, card. And it's, I mean, the influence is really tight, so... The uh, last six influence, so I had three Spin Doctors, which... Are, you know, people are going to be like, that's a hard card to play in the ID. And I agree with you. It is a hard card to play yeah. in the ID, but you need your recursion. So I put it in there because drafters just weren't doing it on their own. And then um, I've got two drafters and two magnets. And so that leaves six influence left. And, um, and I was running those as snares. And then you suggested, you know, Nate, snare is a good card. What about seamless launch? And I'm like, ah, come on, are we tryhards here? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's no. like, it. the thing is, is <laughs> when it wins you the games, like, it's yeah. it's a lot harder to scoff at where you're like, this is great. I love this. Yeah. So the, the wall-to-wall bluff becomes so much more meaningful now because you can actually score an agenda off of it, right? So now you can score a Cyberdex in a never advance style um mm-hmm. and one problem i was noticing with the id was that agendas are building up in hand if you're getting locked out i mean you're building a taxing remote server and all this stuff but like something that's really important in netrunner as a corp is you've got to be scoring your agendas if you're not scoring your agendas agendas are building up in hand and runners can exploit that runners can particularly exploit that if your id says they have to run hq <laughs> your, your HQ is just filled with agendas. That's and they're like, wow, this is great. I installed one Docklands pass and ran HQ two times the whole game and I won. And you're like, yeah. So um, I was having a really hard time scoring agendas and uh, Seamless Launch added a lot of pressure and a lot of ability uh, to score those agendas with necessary. It works really well with the ID too because you're spending that extra action to flip the ID. So mm. you're oftentimes, you know, you'll have some big event happen on that remote server. You know, everybody throws all their cards down, whatever. And then uh, you go, cool, I drew another agenda. I'm going to maximize this scoring window, but I have to flip my ID. Um, and so having that extra click so that uh, if you have seamless launch in hand, you, you know, you can score off of the table next turn if you have seamless launch in hand. Um, so now instead of being forced to install advance flip, which is a very telegraphed play, yeah, that's you bad. install flip and then you can do anything you want. You can play hedge fund, you can install another ice. Uh, it's so much more threatening. Um, and so seamless launch not only gave the ability for the uh, deck to get agendas out, but um, also make it a lot more threatening, a lot harder for the runner to read. And you can bring it back with drafter, which is... 
Yeah. Gross. <laughs> that is disgusting. Um, it, and it makes it easier yeah. to score the the fives, the five pointer. I'm sorry, the uh, the three twos as well, which are otherwise pretty hard to score. I have SDS drone deployments in there, mm. and uh, mostly they're just there so this deck doesn't have too many agendas. So it's got three cyber decks, three off roll, two SDS, and then uh, <laughs> I blood could put monopoly. I could put the two three in there, but I just I had to I had to put blood transfer monopoly in there because you know I I feel bad you know. Got to keep it the dream alive. Well, <laughs> keep the dream alive, nicely packaged away in a small little corner just to itself for yeah. viewing purposes only. Uh, I was gonna ask. Uh, do you find? I I think I remember in. I was either watching you play it or we were talking about it. Do you find like they you often scored one agenda with the seamless launch, and then suddenly the the runner was respecting anything you installed a lot more. Ah. <sighs> Or, or is it more I don't of know. like I'll... see a seamless launch and start running or, or spending credits to flip your ID kind of thing? I'll say this. I've played the deck a lot and I still have not been able to predict people. Like, Interesting. Okay. Like I've had games where I played like where I played and they, they just literally paid through the remote tax three times in a row. And I'm like, wow. huh, didn't expect that. Um, and this is one of those things that, like, the more you play it, the more you learn to measure value, the more you become acclimated to what, what should be valued and what people decide to value. And, um, but I don't feel like I'm an expert at it. Like, I, I still get confused okay. by people's plays sometimes. And I'm like, I'm like, you're going to run the remote now. And they're like, well, I'm not going to pay 15 credits to run your HQ. And I'm like, yeah, but are you going to play six credits for the rest of the game? And they're like, that's my plan. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, if that's your plan. I need to put another ice there. Yeah. Or or I guess if you put a Kayabe in the remote now, it's suddenly like, well, you paid six plus six more. So pay 12 plus break any of these ice. That's insanity. It is. It is. I mean, yeah. I've definitely had games where the runner paid 20 to get in. Um, <laughs> that's insane. And like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's why it's so important, uh, uh, I guess. First of all, that's why Pharos is bad. <laughs> okay, no, oh no. Like if it had been a three cost ice that you instead of rising a Pharos, then you would have been able to jam another agenda immediately, but now yeah. you can't because you spent all your money on the seven cost ice that they literally just broke with boomerang and moved on with our lives. Which oh, is no. pretty fit. Or blind installed a botulus on and you just like giga frowning in the background. <laughs> so So what you're saying is you want the booster pack to have a really nice some ice for Wayland. Oh just man! Stick in this ID to make you happy, man. Like, what does the ID even need? I don't really know. Yeah. Um, like it definitely doesn't feel like a tier one deck or anything like that. Um, understanding the pacing. I'll say this: like the lesson I've learned is understanding the pacing of the deck is really key. It's not like a glacier deck. It's it's mm -hmm. it's more of a combo deck. Like you get. The specific okay. pieces that you need, and that buys you really powerful windows that are not necessarily infinitely strong. Uh, and so you don't want to just go for this infinitely powerful late game. You want to find that combo, time it appropriately, and try to win as fast as possible. And that's when the deck shines, when you are able to do that. Um, and if the, okay. if the runner is playing really carefully and just sitting back and just building up and not running, that's when it's the hardest because you need to build yourself a scoring window but you need them to run in order to do that and this is a very classic netrunner situation right this is the best decks are the best because they don't let the runner do that 
they say, mm. like, you've got to run my stuff or I'm going to win the game because every single card I'm installing is amazing and it's a commercial banker's union and a sensi union and a museum of city or you know a museum oh, of history no. and a jackson howard and a sand sand city grid and you can't trash them all and now you're gonna lose oh just kidding i brought bad, three bad scrubbers here big guy you're going <laughs> down and your wizard you're just like trash everything oh my god uh, i've done that i've done that all right and i wasn't i wasn't ashamed oh man <laughs> uh, i was gonna ask uh do you feel like because you don't have any kill in the deck, it there's no way to punish them sitting back, or do you just feel like that would just clog, make the deck go in too many different directions? No punitive is a is a weakness, or do you feel like it would just be too much for to jam into one deck? That's a good idea. I think you could do a punitive version, um, especially when you're running asset based economy. Yeah, it's very taxing in order to get access to that for the runner. I mean, the whole deck mm -hmm. is very taxing. So it's like if you want to run a regular mining license and throw it in a remote and get a bunch of money, you can do that. Um, that's really, just really pretty good. It does have a problem where it can't like throw out a bunch of stuff and get a bunch of money like some decks do, right? I'm going to I'm gonna hit you with the multiple threats. You know, I'm going to install a regolith yeah. and I'm going to install a wall-to-wall -wall, and I'm going to get card draw and I'm going to get money and it's going to be great. So... The deck benefits from Operation Econ, but Operation Econ is like short-term benefit, you know, not like this super, I'm going to get way more money than you sort of thing. It's more like I'm going to get money now and I'm going to use it right now to get yeah. now advantage. And then, I mean, that's cool when you're running like cyber decks and off-world office as your agendas, uh, you kind of keep your pace, but then that doesn't really combo with punitive very nicely. You know, you, don't have, yep. you don't have Bologna to really carry your punitives. So you've got SDS, but that doesn't combo with Punitive. Um, but, like, you could run a version where you just try to make really taxing servers and benefit from running Vulnerability Audit, SDS Drone Deployment, and then, like, you know, a 2-3, and then just try to win off of um, Punitives and Clearinghouse. That might be a thing that works. I haven't actually... I don't think I ever tried Clearinghouse in the deck, honestly. All right. It's just... It'd be hard with one remote. Like, you kind yeah. of are fully committed to the clearhouse, where, like, in another deck, if you had, like, a Locosta, just kind of baking, you know. I did uh, try that, actually. I think that was the original version. I was running Locosta Clearinghouse, and it, like, they just always avoided the clearinghouse, and then I never scored my agendas, and then I lost. Interesting. Or, I mean, I got the, I got the clearinghouse, but, you know, that was, like, 30% of the time. Uh, and so I took out the Lacosta. That wasn't really that wasn't really a thing. Also, that ran into the whole region complexity, you know. Yeah, that's true. You can't stack Lacosta with the Kiambe or Crisium, so that's huge. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really know. I don't really know what the deck needs, but I had a lot of fun being like, "Wow, Earth Station plus Crisium. This is cool, and it's different, and and that's pretty fun." Uh, and uh, I think Kiambe has a place, although it's definitely a different place than like a. The other idea that gives you money when you place advancements because those work together i think oh built to last where built to last gets a little bit of money from uh advancing yeah not advanced cards yeah so yeah. your yambe your kayambe passively gains you income which i don't is... know if that works though does it not i don't think it does i think the uh no built to last you actually have to place the token no whenever you advance a card what yeah, so I think I think built to last specifically is you. But think of it this way: the Creasium is building off of your 
you advancing, wanting things to be advanced anyway, right? So you're you're advancing at ice just to get the money, and then the Crisium's just like, uh, not Crisium, the Kiabe's like, I'll take it from here, buddy. Thanks for making your money back. I got this the rest of the game for you. Anyway, fine. I'll take it. It's It only works in my ID now. Let's uh so we're running we're running near the end so let's actually okay. what what do you what do you want to see in this little booster pack here I think Jinteki would it'd be interesting to run you you obviously can't make something insane because they still have Sisentan and uh Engram Flush right but I don't know if it's something to like you just bring Mushin Notion back and then it's like uh <laughs> Something like that. Some sort of effect that is like a high-stakes gamble, like I do a thing, this thing has tokens on it, but I can't score it or res it or, or you know. Or maybe another ice. Just something to make them a little threatening or an operation. Mm. Uh, like not having neural EMP like or neural EMP-like yeah. effect kind of makes a lot of the kill decks hard to do. You know, or you have a cool reveal ability that makes uh All right. so Kyobu Institute. What about what was that card like? I think it was called Contract Killer. Uh yeah, there we go. Alright, so Contract Killer is an asset. It can be advanced. If there's two advancements, it gains click trash deal to meat damage. Okay, so the idea here is that let's let's say Jinteki has a, a mini Ronin effect like this, yeah. right? So they install it into a remote. Not advanced. It could be a snare, could be an agenda. You know, you run this like, uh, I don't really know. Um, and then it just provides that ability, like, hey, if you just run a little too hard and hit one of my traps, I have the way to combo with this and finish you off. That's what Neural EMP offered, not yeah. super well. You know, it'd be interesting. I, I, I don't necessarily want to push personal evolution too far, but it would be fun to to have some. You know, they need just some some little thing, and I don't know what it is. So, like, so that would be my pick. You um, know, you know, they. I would say. So you described uh, like a like a high risk, high reward card, and uh, and this might sound a little weird, but what what was what was that um, asset that they got that like gets counters, um, and then like it builds them up, and then you can like blast them with it. I think is it. Uh... Prana condenser. Prana condenser, is that right? That sounds yes. right. Where did that? Oh, that was in ashes. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Pra, pra, prana. It's got the. It's got the straight line over top, making it a long yeah. A. But does anybody call it prana condenser? That sounds weird. Prane damage. So prana condenser um, says uh, it's an asset that says when you would do a net damage, don't do a net damage, gain three credits instead and put a counter on this and then you can click, click, trash this to deal net damage equal to the counter. So it like builds up all your micro net damage into one big burst, but it's an asset so the runner can trash it. Um, and I think that's a really cool kind of, like you were describing, high risk, high reward um, effect. And I actually played against, uh, who, uh, who, who was it? It it was uh it was that guy that we used to play all of his decks when we very first started playing. Um, was it Cable Carnage? Yes, yeah, Cable Carnage and I had uh, played a game recently, and he was playing a deck that used that, and it was really cool. That was wild. Um, 
But I, I mean, you know, like you said, like maybe just uh, something to punish recklessness more. I think that's totally fair. Jinteki might need something like that. I used to believe that Jinteki needed tempo, but thanks to you, I don't. I think they have Flower it. Flower Servid. Because what? Flower Servid. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, Flower uh, Servid's disgusting. <laughs> I, I guess just to flip it right back at you, uh, what's a card that you hope is in one of these booster packs? Uh, all right, so... Wayland has always been, I don't know, do I want to talk about Wayland? Um, well, we've already talked about it. Let's go all in. Like, Wayland's, Wayland's identity has always just been so confused, you know? Like, they're like, I'm going to play, I'm going to punish you for playing too fast, but in a different way than Jinteki. Uh, and that was, you're going to hit a snare in my deck, and then I'm going to kill you with Scorched Earth. And then later it was, if you, I'm going to get the Sea Scorch combo. Uh, or, well, I guess that was around the same time. Um... And you had this super modernism, which is like, I'm trying to kill you, but I'm only trying to kill you if you run too fast. And I'm going to temper that with me going very, very fast as well. That was a super cool archetype. Um, and then they're like, you know, you can't really have the Sea Scorch anymore. And then they haven't really had Antique. And um, they've got Clearing House, but that definitely makes them more of like a control deck, right? Not like this tempo rush kind of... Um, identity and that's kind of part of their color pie you know but then like at the same time they don't really have tools to really make them successful in these super late game scenarios um all right i'll put this i'll say this i'll say this actually no i've got a much better plan wayland needs another advanceable ice because okay. i'm running kayambe kayambe is a great card um but it it, it's there's not enough good targets you've got um Aket, which is an, a fantastic target and you've got colossus which is a good target but it's not a very good card right now um and like hordum is terrible i don't want to advance hordum i mean i'll put yeah. it in my deck but it's it's bad and you've got pharos but i don't want to put that in my deck either that's a bad card don't I don't, who's going to play a seven cost advanceable ice? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, it, it is you're, you're going to be, you're going to invest your entire life savings into this. And then they're just going to put a botulus on it for two credits. And all you did was give them a tag and end the run. Like it's so bad. Um, so something to replace just some kind of, some kind of new advanceable ice. It's lean. They get stronger with advancements. That's not ice wall because ice wall if it was just Boomerang, Ice Wall would be fine, but it's Botulus. And if you put a Botulus on an Ice Wall, you will cry. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Because like, mm, I can get some trivially easy. Actually, you know what? Now that I've got Magnets in the deck, it might actually have a place. I should try it. Maybe that's true. Maybe yeah. they, don't, they don't need any more. But I think if they had another Advanceable Ice, that would help them a lot. Uh, although it is kind of weird because... Is Kayambe even going to be legal in the next set? Technically, I think that when Borealis comes out, it will rotate uh, out of startup. Sure. Well, and it's also banded standard anyway. <laughs> it's that, that's why I asked because it's not yeah. even legal. In standard. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I feel like that's something that would help them because they they need like I think corpse who rely on timing need to have 
lean ice. And as beautiful as like gigantic ice are, and I know that's Wayland's thing, Wayland is very confused. I don't think that's, I think that's, that's what they want, but it's not what they need. And so that's why Pharaohs is so out of place, you know? I mean, in addition to its effects just actually being really bad. Well, maybe, maybe that's what you need is, uh, uh, swap out those Pharaohs for ice walls and just see if that little extra, that, well, not little, that big credit difference that you save is just enough. Because sometimes you might just want an advanceable ice for your Kaabe. Right. Maybe that's... And that actually gives me something to put all my extra counters on, because that's what I'm doing. Once I've res Kiambe and I've single iced the three ice on my server, like, I'm just dumping counters onto, you know, nothing. And you're like, oh boy, I'm bluffing this 15 counter Pharaohs. And they're like, plus five strength. And you're like, Bruh. Yeah, yeah and then, then, but you're like, actually, this is a 15, you know, 16 strength ice wall. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. No, cool. Botulus. <laughs> And then you're like, Magnet, all right, well, at least this one time. You're right. No, Magnet actually might make it totally playable. Maybe. I don't know. It definitely seems like it's good early, bad late, because eventually they're going to get it on there. But Magnet is such a powerful card if you draw it late. Uh, yeah. You you could theoretically invalidate that, which is pretty disgusting. And, and also, uh, you know, if they're a criminal or a shaper, they might not. They're just having to pay the, the price once their tricks run out. Oh, that's dirty. That's when they that's when they do always have a backup plan. Oh no. No one saw it really coming. It yeah. works that's super good. Well, because you just let it end the run, right? And then you get past yeah. it the second time. Oh. That's dirty. But they have to pay six to run the server again. They have to Oh my god. If it's a remote. So. Oh no. <laughs> oh, that's mean. Jeez. Okay. Huh. Does it? So if they could always have a backup plan on HQ and I had a Crecium and then they got to the Crecium, what would happen? It wouldn't fire again, right? Well, it's, uh, I think, always had a backup plan. Oh, man, we're getting into the weeds here, but oh, man. Uh, just always have me. a backup plan just cares if the run was unsuccessful. If the run is neither successful or unsuccessful, it fizzles. Oh, man, that's dirty. Crecium accidentally breaking every cool card in the game. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Edge cases were oh, getting no. in there. All right, well, so is there anything else you wanted to cover before we finished? Well, the last thing I... Uh, we didn't have enough time today to talk about uh, Ysegrin's last startup tur tournament I participated in. I had a blast, even though I did personally not very great in the tournament. I had a lot of fun. The next one is scheduled for February the 20th, um, and it's at 17 UTC. So just convert that into your uh, own local time zone. And uh, it was, there's no stakes. It's single-sided Swiss. So you bring both of your decks, but you will play lots more people and you will, it's weighted. So you should be playing an equal number of runner and corp games, but uh, unless you have a buy. So it's, I got to play a lot more different people and it, you can repair against someone else but you always will play the opposite sides and then once you've played someone twice you never will play them again so so you basically play one game instead of two yep. but it basically the algorithm that's seeding the pairings is trying to make sure that you get an equal number of games 
games in. Yeah, with both sides. And so you end up facing a lot more different people than you would in a normal tournament, even if, like, I think the last one we had 17 or 18 participants, and I played against six different people, which is fantastic. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's always been kind of one of the problems with Netrunner, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, uh, Yesegrid, uh, participated in the last one because we had an odd number of people so that was you know we had a, a nice even bracket um, and, and so and there's no stakes there's no prizing so just come have fun and, and try out some different decks i got crushed again but i it still was interesting to see decks i hadn't played against before because you kind of get in your own meta you know especially yeah. in certain time zones um so that was great sure well that's uh that is awesome I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear you had a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, well, Nate, it's a brand new year. This is great. I'm glad we've made it this far. So this has been this has been great. Let's uh here's to another wonderful year, right? I can't believe we made it this far. This is this is this has been a lot of fun. That's crazy. Gosh. All right. So we're like technically we'll be at a year if we make it to like May or something, right? We could do it. One year, yeah, geez, that'll be that'll be that'll be that'll be a bit surprising when it happens, but I don't see any reason why it won't. (laughs) Looking forward to it. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye.